0: I'm a man on a mission. Hey Walruses! I hope every one of you has kicked off 2022 in some style, and that you've been applying the swap shop lessons from our last episode at the tail end of 2021. Now let's make this your best year yet. And, and, and come to think of it, we're just a few years or a few days away from the Chinese New Year, which happens at the start of February. And it's pretty obvious that the 21st century is going to be driven commercially by China. So it's worth reflecting as we cast forward to 2022 that the Chinese New Year has like 12 animal years which rotate round and round every year. And just in case you didn't know, the animals that rotate of those 12 are the rat, the ox, the tiger, the rabbit, the dragon, the snake, the horse, the goat, the monkey, the rooster, the dog and the pig. And if you're thinking what I'm thinking, they better add a fucking 13th animal. Quick, smart, as we're on the rise. We're on the fucking rise. 2022 is the year of the fucking walrus. The tiger can go and do one this year because we'll be getting our tusks out, we'll be getting our whiskers out and our big fucking bellies out as we head into 2022 to make this the year of the walrus. It's going to be a year like there's never been before, the year of all the little walruses out there. So you're very welcome to episode 180 ...of the Speed Mentor Podcast with me, your host Gavin Wall... ...banging out the good vibes from Walrus Island... ...in an effort to save the world from the malign influence of those over on Dickhead Island. Now, I'm not sure if this has ever happened before, says, ...but I don't, actually, I don't actually have a theme for today's episode. I don't have that usual single big message... ...the big headline, you know, like the subject line of an email... I don't have that traditional bold message in this episode to try and unlock the armour that you protect yourself with as you as you tread too lightly in your life and I try to shake you out of the fucking slumber. So, this in this episode 180, I think it may be the first time that I don't have a stone in a sling like David and Goliath to hit you smack between the fucking eyes. And maybe that's... Sometimes what our... A metaphor for sometimes what our lives are like. We set our goals. We're determined to plot our way towards the big themes. Those big, huge boulders. So, by way of analogy, if you swap the concept of 180 episodes out for the concept of 180 weeks. In 180 weeks, I have had my first week where I haven't a fucking clue what I'm going to do with this episode. Now, that's probably... In reality, a record to be proud of. It's likely to be quite unusual for people, even even walruses, to hit 179 out of 180 really hard. Like, hitting 180 out of 180 would be insane delivery, in truth. Because we all know how this works. We start off the week or the episode with great intentions. And all is well until life comes to you real fucking fast and hits you right in the chops And it rocks you back on your stride And leaves you a bit, little bit dazed Now, success lies in how many of those weeks Of our conceptual 180 weeks That you can resist being knocked off kilter And as I set out on this episode I was tempted to say Let's take a wee week off Sure, I deserve it I cranked out 179 of 180 And right up where there with some of the best grinders there's ever been and we could have done an episode today, having a chit-chat amongst friends, smack-talking, comparing notes on the neighbour's new car, analysing whether there's a deeper meaning to tell lasso, Yeah, you know, t- the type of stuff, water cooler, chit-chat, that type of stuff. And I, I genuinely felt, I'm mean, being truthful with you here, I genuinely felt for a split second that I might, might let an episode slide into a gentle waltz rather than a heart-throbbing, thrusting Argentinian fucking tango. But then, something happened today, and I'm not sure why it threw me so much, because I wasn't a huge fan or a devotee of this person. But I had one abiding memory of this person growing up, which has always stuck with me to this day. And before I tell you what that memory was, let me tell you who I'm talking about. You might have guessed because this person changed the course of this episode and this man is Meatloaf. Meatloaf. And he died today so you should be able to date me when I'm putting this episode together and he died today this Friday as I was putting together this episode for release um, the Thursday that you will get it. and. I don't know the age demographic of all the Walruses, because we have young to old. I know really young listeners. I, I know older listeners too. I know you all love it, but I'm not sure of the split of your age demographic. So Meatloaf, for those who don't know, is a bit of a legend in rock and pop circles. His, his real name uh, was Marvin, which he changed to Michael. Uh, so Michael Lee Addy. Um, started off with Marvin But I think the Raymond slang of the starving Marvin When he was a big lad Got too much from him when he was younger Now, he was a huge star in the 70s Right through uh, to the 21st century Huge in every way Physically, musically With a swirling operatic rock anthems And a huge, huge in sales too I mean, the, the Bad Out of Hell album Was actually one of the best-selling records of all time With 43 million Album sales worldwide That's 43 million Now probably these days With hits and watches and likes 43 sounds like a small number But that's 43 million people Went out and spent 10 quid On an album Not just watch something for free In fact Now that I think of it It does seem quite small When you compare it to the downloads Of the Speed Mentor podcast (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry, meatloaf. Anyway, I'm sure you've all heard about "Bad Out of Hell," and I'm sure you've all heard about i Do Anything for Love," which were a couple of us, a couple of us huge, huge um, singles or songs that were huge hits. Now, meatloaf was really unique. He was half rock, half opera—a true one-off. He didn't look like your traditional rock star from everything, and, and from everything I know about him, he didn't act like your traditional rock star either. But weirdly. My abiding memory of him wasn't so much about the spectacular musical talent, but to me, he was the hardest working man in the rock world. That was the thing that rang my bell. There were were years during the 1980s, if you can remember back that far, when he was playing more than 300 concerts per year. And every time he came to the UK and Ireland to play concerts, they'd give the details out on the news, how many concerts he'd played that year. And I was really, really geeky about this stuff. And I would be fascinated about the detail. I can remember is you're going to worry about me here i can remember going away with a pen and paper working out the concerts he played the capacity of each venue and the likely attendance numbers and then start working on the merchandise and the likely estimate of turnover associated with his, with his tours and i'd be thinking wow this guy is a fucking legend and it wasn't so much about the music it was so it was actually about his drive to get Democratise his music out there to all the ears around the world Now don't forget, this was all pre-internet So getting a window into concert numbers and turnover wasn't available to the members of the public the way it was now And it definitely wasn't available to nosy teenagers like myself uh, Who were craving exposure to business So to most, Meatloaf was a megastar, a rock leviathan But to me To me, he was a hard-working, revenue-generating money machine. He created a product, the music on the record, and then he sold it down multiple verticals. And I I thought about chilling out for the first time in these 180 episodes, and then I learned of the death of Meatloaf. And my mind went back to those formative memories of him the memories of that fucking monster who toured and toured and toured who used that piece of inspiration as music but then applied the the perspiration like a bat out of hell over and over and over again now Meatloaf didn't mail it in every now and again, he delivered every time and he would much more excuse than me to go easy when he felt like he could, so I'll not be mailing it in today, I've decided it's not going to be 179 out of 180, it's going to be 180 out of 180 and you better do the same too so thank you Meat for that extra bit of inspiration I needed today that's the type of legacy you've left and that's the type of legacy I want to leave too and I'm sure you're up there Meat, up working up a big gig in the sky playing to all the gods and the host of others are up there now we need to be obsessed just like Meat because it's the obsessed that are winning in your industry, whatever industry you're in they're, they are in every industry. Trust me, Wallers', every industry has the obsessed and they're the ones who are winning. Now Meatloaf, as I said, didn't say to himself, you know what, I've just created one of the greatest rock symphonies in the whole history of the world. Perhaps the greatest album, album ever with 43 million sales. He didn't say, I deserve a break because of my genius. No, he didn't. For the fuck? So, what excuse do you have to take a break today? If after all that genius and all the creation of that amazing album, he didn't take a break, what fucking excuse do you have? No, he said to himself, I've created this thing of beauty, and now I'm going to tour 300 plus concerts around the world every year to make sure every possible hole in the world hears it. So, if you've been working Monday to Friday, and can't wait to take a break at the weekend, is the fuck up, man? Balancing your life is just where mediocrity lies. The creation of Meatloaf's music was hugely important, but in reality, in reality, the actual creation was a tiny fraction of his life. Meatloaf knew he created some some outstanding content, but he didn't rest on his laurels as he wanted to create a legacy just like you should too. Now, the majority of his life was actually about selling his product Touring incessantly, doing the media spots, making videos And although the music is loved, the legacy lives on Because subconsciously we all know he's one of the good guys Who wanted to add value to the world And was prepared to work his ass off to do that For Largely probably for our benefit, he didn't need to Now there's a lesson in there for the content creators Value your content, make your content the best you can And then grind it to generate the recurring revenues And that's how it must be in all our lives too. There's little possibility that you or I will create anything as truly as amazing as meatloaf in the artistic sense. Now, I always hold out the hope that I will, but it's highly unlikely. But the one piece I do control, and the one piece you do control also, is in totality your drive to make the most out of your modest talents. Now, I hope I'm not underselling yourself. That's me talking really about myself rather than you. We control the drive to make the most out of our modest talents. That's the talents that we have. Too many are satisfied maybe creating the next. It's all about NFTs these days or, or about creating an average product and then plugging it nine to five, Monday to Friday. To deliver more than average, think about our friend Meatloaf. He created one of the greatest records of all time and some other pretty stellar records too and still toured 300 plus shows year after year, not to mention all of that media work and country after country living out of a fucking suitcase. And look, the truth is, you're probably afraid of that level of success. You wouldn't want to do all of that stuff that Meatloaf did. You want to get comfortable. You maybe are comfortable already. Be honest with yourself in a minute. Because the starting point of delivering more is a preparedness to get out of that comfort zone and start delivering. But for some of you, the winners, you will want the huge success and to leave the legacy just like the fucking meat. And just like I do too. By the way, just in case you think Meatloaf was a creative genius and it all came easy to him, I didn't tell you that the work started on Bat Out of Hell with his co creator Jim Steinman in 1972. And it wasn't until 1977 that Bat Out of Hell was actually released. Five years of knockbacks, five years of not being taken seriously because Meatloaf was overweight and didn't fit. Didn't fit the rock star pigeonhole Five years of that music not being able to be easily classified Five years of rejection and living hand to mouth Just to release that one record So what the fuck have you really done this week? What the fuck have you really done this week? Because... That's what it takes, folks. All their dedication to what often looks like a hopeless cause. And then when the breakthrough happens, when the breakthrough happens and you think you can take a fucking break, it's 300 plus tours per year to market the thing and bring in the additional revenues and the, and the awareness of the product. But don't you want the good news? If you apply yourself in this way, if you apply yourself in this way, no matter what sector you're in, you will have oversight success, just like mate. As I've been preparing for this episode, I've actually been listening. You might feel it in me, LA, you might feel it I wanna rip some stuff up. As I've been preparing for this episode, I've been listening to the Out of the Hell album. Which bizarrely, bizarrely, I'm going to have to admit this now at this stage of the pod, I'd never actually listened to before knowingly in my life. But most of the songs are actually very familiar. Um, So it's clearly been a soundtrack to my life in the background. But the thing that really hits me in this album is the way Meat is just attacking it. The way he's attacking it in the album, relentlessly, like everything is on the line. His defences are down. There's no protection of his internal emotions. He's opening himself up. He's stark, bollock naked. No fucking fear as he belts out the tunes. Like, be truthful with yourself. Have you done that this week? Have you have you found your fucking fur coat on, keeping yourself covered up, every piece of you, so nobody can get at you? Have you ever done it in your life? If you ever let yourself be vulnerable, put your best out there and then let it be judged. There are so many great life lessons from Meatloaf. And you know what? My commitment to myself is going to be, until we meet again next month. And I want you to do the same I'm going to use Batter to of Hell As my soundtrack for a month <laughs> What better way Bad to of Hell For my soundtrack as a month My soundtrack My proof point That there was a five year Gestation period For the meat In the birthing This motherfucker My proof point That meat was so humble That even though He created a masterpiece With Jim Steinman He felt obliged To work his ass off Taking massive action For the next 40 years To bring it to the Widest possible audience I mean the type of thing that creates this this the inspiration for this podcast. If he hadn't have done that, now this podcast may not mean that much to him. But there's plenty of other people talking about meatloaf and the impact he had in their lives. Now is that something you can get behind too, or have you done enough? Have you done enough? They fuck you've done enough. You haven't even started, my friend. Now if you're close. To falling into the trap that I almost fell into today of, of taking a day or a week or an episode off Because you've knocked out 179 out of 180 Then think what the meat would do Now I, re- I remember back in the day when I did a lot of mentoring That some of my, me- my mentees had a saying WWGD Which stood for What Would Gavin Do? And which kept them right whenever they were questioning themselves um, about anything and anything was happening, they would say, WWGD, what would Gavin do? Well, for this month, I'm changing it to WWTMD. WWTMD, what would the meat do? He would say, Keep going, motherfucker, keep pushing, fly like a batter to hell, make it 180 of 180, no slacking, the legacy is built on compounding relentlessly. And that's my message to every one of the walruses out there. Keep pushing. Do not rest. Be relentless. Take the massive action. And for all who've been on the journey with the Speed Mentor podcast over the years, I know what you're thinking to yourself. I know what you're thinking to yourself. The Chief Walrus is going to sing a song today. The Chief Walrus is going to sing a song today. It's been a while, my friends. I know you're thinking it. And he's not going to do an episode that's grounded in the meatloaf without bashing out a tune. And you're thinking to yourself This could be magical Meatloaf meets the walrus And you know what folks You're so right Whilst I reckon that Whilst I reckon that I would do anything for love But I wouldn't do that That would suit my soaring And when I'm saying soaring That's S-O-A-R-I-N-G You cheeky bastards Not S-O-R-E My soaring vocals it can only be bad out of hell to set you up for the month ahead. So here it goes, motherfuckers! It's the are screaming the and fires the fires are howling are down fire in fire the valley tonight There's, there's a, a man in the shadows with a gun in his fire eye fire And a blade shining oh so bright There's evil in the air and there's thunder in the sky And the killers on the bloodshot that's streets that's and down in the tunnels where the deadly are rising Oh, I swear, a young man Down in the gutter Starting to foam in the heat Oh, baby, you're the only thing in this world That's pure and good and right and whenever you are and wherever you go There's always going to be some light but I gotta get out, I gotta get out now Before the crack of dawn so We've got to make the most of our one night together Over, you know, we'll all be so alone Like a battle of hell, I'll be gone when the morning comes oh, When the night is over, like a battle of hell, I'll be gone, gone, gone Like a battle of hell, I'll be gone when the morning comes. The sun goes down and the moonlight shines. And like a sinner before the gates of heaven, I'll be crawling on back to you. So there you have it, folks. There's inspiration everywhere around us in life and in death, and word and deed and in music. You choose whether it inspires you or not. Whether you join the pantheon of legends in this world, whether you take the massive action, or you take the day off and slip away no more than a number, you choose. It's your choice. I'm a man on a mission.